0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. We're coming at you not even a whole week later since free agency started on Wednesday. We had an episode go up that day and a lot of our predictions in that episode, of course, as is, you know, the spur of the moment podcasting that we do. Uh, some of that stuff's not going to come true. And there's some moves that the devil's made that I think um, weren't as noticeable, but I think will make a bigger impact than a lot of people real even realize at this moment in time. So, To join me to break down, and of course I'm Dan Roselle as always, to join me to break down what has happened since Wednesday in the world of the New Jersey Devils, I have John Fisher with me, and John, Wednesday was pretty crazy. Wednesday was
1: a day of activity. Cap Friendly still has the basic information up that uh, 154 signings were made on the first day free agency for a total contract dollar amount mm-hmm. of $915 million.
0: And none of that money went from the New Jersey Devils to one Johnny Goodreau. He chose no. to have uh, Eric Goodbranson and Eric Robinson, whose name I learned for the first time on Wednesday, <laughs> convince him that uh, Columbus was a good place to live. And you know what? Uh, Listen, he made his choice. The Devils clearly made him an offer. It seemed like everything was going well. And then uh, Columbus got in there and managed to convince him otherwise. And I guess he just really likes that cannon. So he signs with the Columbus Blue Jackets, opening up a lot of space for the Devils to make moves. And they started using that space. And, it, you know, I know Fitzgerald said that the backup plan was not a but it certainly feels like a backup plan because it was the backup plan. I mean, and as, they just got him signed at midnight. <laughs> and as far as backup plans go, I don't think this is a very bad one from a what he brings as a player perspective. I think a lot of people are concerned with the details of the contract itself, yes. but you had to figure some sort of overpay was coming to compensate for missing out on good And again, there are worse people to overpay than a two times experienced Stanley cup champion, who is a consistent producer for, for what he is and maybe, you know, in the Devils lineup, he'll get more of a chance to shine. But we've heard this song before. Yeah. But Andre Pilat, welcome to New Jersey. I'll, I'll take that for uh, five years, $30 million. It, it's a pretty steep price for someone of his production level. But again, you got to use that money somehow. And if that's what it took to bring him in, then at the very least, the Devils get another winger who can play towards the top of the lineup, who can kill penalties consistently. He's someone who... You know, you watch him when you're watching the Tampa Bay Lightning and say, man, we could really use that kind of guy on our team. Maybe not for this money, but he fits that mold of players that we've watched on other teams to just kind of be like, "Mm, you know what? Like, this would be a pretty good death piece to have. This is a reason that, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning are able to be as strong as they are. He steps in to fill the gaps when they need him to.
1: Right. Now, I have to say this up front. For those reasons, then, I do like Pilat as a player. And furthermore, uh, over the last three seasons, you know, his most common teammates were Braden Point, Steven mm-hmm. Stamkos, Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergachev. This is a guy who's been playing with Tampa Bay's top players. Um, the, the, the concerns start coming when you start thinking about the contract and you think about what Palat is. Okay. I just said that I like Palat, so I'm not being a hater, Dan. Yep. I'm not trying to be a wet blanket. I'm not trying to say you know this is Ryan Klo 2.0 yeah. because it's not. It's not. <laughs> but, but the the big demand, the big vocal demand on the site, on Twitter, on Reddit, and everywhere else, was the Devils needed either a a big scoring winger like a Johnny Goudreau, or a physically big winger like Andre Burakowski, maybe uh, someone like well, it's not going to be Nazim Kadri. He's apparently pricing
0: himself out of out of the market so to speak and where is he going to play on the devils you know
1: yeah i mean he wants to be a center so but regardless the point is people want a big beefy winger and while Paul does throw lots of hits uh, because tampa bay's score over counts hits like crazy at amelie arena mm-hmm. um, he's 511 and 194 pounds he, he's he's not a big big player at all um physically at least that being said I do think like the biggest concern is that he's a complimentary winger. Uh And this is now the third straight season where the devil sought out a complimentary winger that I thought will be a good fit. You think will be a good fit. Statistically looks like he'd be a good fit. But as we've seen with Andreas Johansson and Thomas Tatar, um, it doesn't always go according to plan. Uh And my fear is that now that you're giving a 31 year old Andrej Palat a $30 million contract, you know that you know, say what you want about Johnson to Tatar, those deals are expiring, those deals were never big, those deals were never expensive, and uh, they'll make up another move I would like the devils to make later, but I'm gonna hold up, hold on to that thought for a little later in this episode. Uh-huh. But the Palat deal is a front-loaded contract, which is what you would expect for a veteran player being signed. That's just how business is. But my goodness, I'm looking at this contract, those contract details. If 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 I had to grade the signing. One, does it really need to be five seasons long, taking him to age 36? Uh Two, did you need to give him eight and a quarter million dollars for this coming season? Because he got seven and a half million just now in signing bonuses. He's getting the NHL minimum salary for this first season. That would be one thing. But the problem is, is that with every season after the third one, so in his oldest years, he's getting the highest base salary, which makes it less attractive to move move him if you're looking to move cap space to a team that doesn't want to pay a lot in salary. Like the savings is only just a couple million, which isn't very much, especially if the cap improves, which leads to the final point of why I think this is a Palat friendly deal and not a Tom Fitzgerald friendly deal mm-hmm. is the fact that Pilat has a 10 team trade list that he will submit as of July 1st, 2025. So just as when the salary starts going up and he's hitting age 35 will turn 36, he basically controls his own destiny. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be hard. Like I, I don't like looking at a player and these types of contracts where you have to start thinking about how can the Devils get out of this if it goes bad before he even plays a single game. But that's the nature of the business. That's the nature of front-loaded contracts. That's the nature of signing 31-year-old players. And this exit strategy isn't very good. If I had to grade this, I'd say for the quality of player, it's a C+. Plus you know again if it was a three-year contract i'd be a lot happier but you look at the trade clause you look at the structure of the deal it's got to be like a c minus it's like you, you did the job but much much improvement could have been done here so you didn't get leverage to uh, hell and back since you swung big on
0: gaudreau and you missed and i honestly think the plot and his agent knew that well the the complementary player role i would my only I, I agree with you know most of what you're saying there. Makes sense that people have these concerns. And again, that's something that you would expect when the Devils missed out on Goudreau, that they'd have to use that space somehow. And, you know, if you're paying for what was one of the top wingers left at that point, then fine. But it's not desirable in a vacuum. But what I will say is that the Devils offense, needing a complementary piece, you know, is kind of all they needed on the offensive side of things, right? The bigger issues were not on offense. The bigger issues were, um, you're right that getting depth scoring did not happen from players like Johnson and Tatar to the extent that we expected and kind of hoped that it would happen, but they weren't that far off offensively from being a solid team. They were top half yeah. of the league in terms of having the puck and adding a complementary piece only builds that depth. So of all the issues they had to address, like, yeah, does he, you know, does he change the landscape as significantly as Goudreau would have? No, but you can argue that they didn't even need to change it that much from an offensive perspective, the, the yeah. bigger issues to address were on the back end. And I think the devils made a lot of moves in doing exactly that since we last mm-hmm. spoke on Wednesday. Um, part of Wednesday signings was to sign Brendan Smith um, NHL veteran played for the Rangers played for the red wings. Um, and again, he's, he's going to be a third pairing seventh defender kind of player, but he brings a little bit of that edge that Tom Fitzgerald was hoping to bring to this lineup. And the uh, reason why he re signed Mason Geertzen again, I, I, I don't know, man. But uh, bringing Smith was one way to address the defense. And in a surprising move yesterday, I think this is obviously the bigger deal. The Devils packaged Ty Smith uh, in order to avoid jersey confusion, obviously, was the main reason for that. But sure. they packaged mm-hmm. Ty Smith with a third rounder to Pittsburgh for one John Marino and John Marino represents a player who is already better. He is older than Ty Smith. And yeah. again, Ty Smith has two seasons of sample size. We don't know where he can go from here, but the second season was not very good. He of a no. team that was full of bad defenders. He was the worst of them. And so it was tough to kind of see that happen after such a promising start, but he gets a new chance in Pittsburgh while well, the devils get Marino who's established better defensively. He's still a puck mover. He doesn't like to shoot all that much, but no, He can get the puck where it needs to be. And that's the important part for these Devils that love to play in transition, that have all these fast players going up the sides every time they bring the puck up. So Marino comes in and immediately makes the blue line better, in my opinion.
1: No, you're absolutely right. It it stabilizes the blue line um, on the books and on the ice. Because one of the other concerns that I want to say, I brought this up in our last episode. If I didn't, I'll make it now. Uh, Going into free agency, the Devils had exactly two defensemen signed beyond 2024.
0: Listen to the deal.
1: Listen to the deal on Spotify. Simon, Well, Simon Nemitz actually got his ELC after July 13th. So it was just the one defenseman. The point being is that the devils had a lot of potential leeway to really change their blue line after this coming season. And they still do, by the way, mm-hmm. um, I will agree that Smith is a lot better than what he showed last season. He was terrible last season, but I also think he was a victim of a couple factors. One this was a guy that lost his confidence, lost the trust in his own game, and what was worse is that Elaine Nazardine and to an extent, Lindy Ruff, their their demand on defense was, you know, to overload, to be aggressive, to take initiative. So when you hesitate and you're already questioning how you play, um, you know, you, you, you're just it's like wearing two left shoes, like you're just gonna stumble. So I was hoping that with the coach that is yet to be determined to replace Elaine Nazardine, Uh, will help Smith out and you know Smith it's the last year of his ELC it's very crucial that he has a good season for anybody Uh uh, for his own purposes you know I was hoping for a bounce back but I can appreciate and understand if the the Devils aren't that confident they can fix Smith then move on from it you know don't you don't have to hold the bag you don't have to stick with him and credit to the Devils for doing what they should have done on July 1st and take advantage of somebody else's uh, cap situation because that was a big reason why the Devils were able to get Marino as opposed to another player on the Penguins because the Uh Penguins were technically over the cap and they still have Kasperi Kaspin in to still sign. They still want to make some improvements. Um, Shortly after the Smith trade, they made another trade on defense to get rid of Michael Matheson for for Jeff Petrie and his aging contract. Uh So they, they already burnt the space they created by taking Ty Smith, but the point is, is that the Devils took advantage of somebody else's situation and legitimately got a better player on the ice. The, the simplest way I can describe it, Dan, is he's a right sided Jonas Siegenthaler. So if you yeah. like Jonas Siegenthaler, you're gonna like Marino. Um, he's not big. He, you know, he's six one and 180 pounds. He's still the smallest defenseman on the Devils which is fine because it's not about size, Dan, as anybody who watched Ryan Graves last season would tell you. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he he's a solid hand who does his job, and as long as the Devils don't make him do stuff he's not able to do on defense, he should be fine, even if Smith turns his season around and his career around with the Penguins. Do you hear that, kids? Size doesn't matter. Live your size. lives. Yeah. To be good at the things that matter on the ice reading <laughs> battles, uh, reading, reading situations, making good decisions, mm-hmm. being in the right position. One of the best plays of last season, Dan Nico Heischer's goal in Dallas. Oh, my god, <laughs> a big reason why that goal happened was because the swole Swede standing at a mirror, 5'11, bodied up the six foot four, 220 built like a brick house. Uh, Miro has skyed it. like he just got in his face occupied his position to make, you know, battle with him around the net. And so Mr. Heischer could not have to worry about Mr. Heskainen. Yep. And it's all about positioning. It's all about taking that <laughs> initiative. P.S. Leave some room in the lineup for Z- Zetterlund. He, the, the the beefy man deserves an opportunity. But that's a side
0: That's a sidebar. Yeah, I'm glad they're also formally introduced to as Mr. Uh, Heskainen and Mr. Heischer and all the fellas just gathering around for the, for, you know, the event here where we're all wearing black ties mr mr johnson clearing space we have mr zetterlund on the lineup we're we're, we're ready to introduce these boys as men as they take the next step they are men the playoffs and again I mean, they're, think, they're making more men they're making more money than we'll ever see well that's they probably true. deserve the respect that's very true they uh, excuse me sirs that's my fault um yeah. <laughs> but what i'll also say i don't think we talked about the other deal the devil's made because i don't think we could have talked about that other deal at the time that we were recording right right where the devils traded a an off-maligned uh, Pavel Zaka over to the Boston Bruins for Eric Halla. And this represents an immediate upgrade at the third line center position. Um, Zaka gets a fresh start, which he so desperately needs. The Bruins finally can assemble all the infinity stones of not drafting Matt Barzell that year. Um, They're really just figuring out how to get every player that came before him in their lineup at the same time. Uh, And, again, hollow represents a player who's better defensively, who's a little bit more dogged in the corners. He's, he's someone who's been around the league in, uh, you know, a lot of different places. He's played for seven different teams so far. So this is going to be another change for him, but I think this is, You know, it's a money-saving upgrade. Zaha was due for a raise as an RFA and probably someone who would have gotten one given his point production, maybe not necessarily his other counting stats. Well, his qualifying offer alone was $3 million. And so there you go. So the Devils get a veteran in Hala who's... Again, a lot of these moves are meant to kind of take the kids and bring them to the next level. Yeah, it was basically a nursery last year, the last couple of years, but now mm-hmm. they're starting to acquire these players that they've been around the league. They know, you know, how to lock down games. They know how to win games, and these are people that you put out in a six-on-five situation. I think Palat and Halla both represent players like that.
1: Well, Halla in particular is very much what you want in a bottom-six uh, center. Are his numbers utterly fantastic? No, but you're not asking him to be fantastic. You're asking him to give you a solid 12 12 to 13 minutes a night, Mm -hmm. um, maybe help out on special teams. Hollis, you know, one of the reasons why the team kept throwing Michael McLeod out there was because he could win faceoffs. Well, but Hollis could do that and not be an immediate disaster piece uh, whenever the faceoff ends. Uh, He's actually been a fairly solid player throughout his entire career with Minnesota, with Las Vegas. A little, little, little time he spent with Florida in 2020. Um, Boston last season was a good season for him. So, you know, I think the people who should be unhappy with this deal are the few fans that think Pavel Zak is going to turn that corner because for all of his talents, the guy could just not put it together on a regular basis. He was easily one of the more frustrating wingers slash center slash players to watch since Victor Kozlov, another guy who, Big guy, lots of soft hands, lots of moves, just never put it together on anything resembling a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I think Zaka put it together a little more often than Kozlov did, but, you know, Zaka... You know, he, he's 25 at this point. He, he is who he is at this point. He's a guy who's going to help. You're going to appreciate him some nights, and a lot of other nights you're just going to go, why is he on the ice? Yeah. He's just a guy out there. So the Devils were right to move on for him. They save a little money because Holland does come a little cheaper. He's on an expiring contract, so if it doesn't work out, it moves on. The only other guys, as I said, who who don't like this deal are Jesper Boakfist and Michael McLeod. And hmm. I think McLeod should be more worried because – Boakvis has and is at least seen as somebody who could play all three forward positions, whereas McCloud does
0: not. So I think uh, Nico Heischer and Jesper Brad don't love this deal either from a uh, losing a friend perspective, but well, I think yeah. they understand but, it. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, part of, you know, as harsh as this sounds, you know, I understand. And this was one of my beefs from the postseason press conference where I know Jack Hughes said, oh, I like Lindy Ruff. And he sure was like, "Eh." but apparently privately said he liked him. And I almost want to sit both of them down and say, I'm glad you like him. But would you like to would you like to be led by a coach who could win you some hockey games and maybe, I don't know, get you to NHL 500? Well, luckily by
0: 10 percent. And luckily they have that guy built in now as, you know, I I think this is. They made some moves that I think people were impressed with around the league, but I think what people don't understand is that the biggest move they made was hiring Andrew Burnett as what they call an yes. associate coach. I yes. think of all the improvements the Devils made this offseason, this will be the most important one when we look back on it, because yes. the difference between him and tactical power play terrorist Mark Reckey is going to be significant. <laughs> I I can't watch any more of that ever again, and I'm sad that I had to in the first place. But Andrew Burnett was a Jack Adams finalist this year. Of course, Mm -hmm. Florida's power play evaporated in the playoffs, and a lot of people will point to that. But then I'll point to the fact that they were playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time Stanley Cup champion at that point reigning, who knew exactly how to lock a team down in the playoffs who also have one of the best coaches in the league. So, yeah. Florida going one for 24 in the playoffs is a little bit different when you consider that they were playing, I don't know, good teams when the Devils went one for 24 in stretches of almost every 24 power plays you can think of against every team in the league. This will be a significant difference. Someone who can use the players in a way that matters, and he's been confirmed to be in charge of the power play. He is a built-in Lindy Ruff replacement. If things are going wrong, this is a great, great thing the Devils did. This is, like I said, probably the most important thing they could have done.
1: Not only the most important thing, it's easily the best move they've made this offseason, even beyond getting Vidtec Vanacek and turning Ty Smith into John Marino. Um, For all the reasons that you described, I want to provide some additional uh, context for Burnett. And because I'm going to be real with you, Dan, I don't know why Florida let him go. Yeah, no one does. Because, OK, <laughs> so, so a bit of background here. So Joel Quenville was revealed to literally put hockey over the livelihood of his players back in 2010 with with in Chicago. And uh, the NHL appropriately said he has to go. Mm mm-hmm. And for all intents and purposes, as long as Gary Bettman is at least commissioner, Joel Quenville is blackballed from the league. And I don't think anybody's going to stand up and say, you know, that's bad. You know, so Joel Quenville, you could argue, put that Florida team, you know, was the main guy who put the tactics and the strategies and the game plans together for the Florida Panthers. that season, And they were 7-0 to start the season under Mr. Quenville. So so Andrew Burnett, who's been an assistant for a couple of seasons under Quenville, was given the interim head coaching job. I I think there was an understanding, like there's just a lot of question marks, like what's Burnett going to do? Like, is this team going to fall apart without an experienced man like Quenville behind the bench? Not only did they not crumble, Dan, they won 51 games. They had the best season in Florida Panthers history by 19 points and. As much as people criticize how the series against Tampa Bay went, the fact they got to that series at all is an achievement because the Florida Panthers won their first playoff series in 26 years. Yeah. And like, to this avoid is, the sake of
0: being that team again, the Devils haven't won a playoff series in a decade. So they
1: haven't, they've only been in the playoffs once in mm-hmm. a decade. So, mm-hmm. you know, as much as I understand a lot of people are bigging up Holla and more importantly, Palat about well, oh, they got playoff success and the devils need that. It's like the Devils need to get to the playoffs first. But the good news is that a guy like Burnett knows what it's like to take a team from the outhouse to the penthouse. Uh-huh. And in that sense, to your point, he's he should be able to massively improve the power play, which will give the Devils a couple more wins on top of league average goaltending. And at the very least, put them in a good position to play something resembling meaningful hockey games in February and March of 2023. Uh-huh. And to your point, I think the, the longer plan here is, this will probably be roughs last season. I'm sure there may be an agreement in principle that Burnett will take over as head coach after this coming season, which I think would be a massive upgrade. Honestly, if I'm the Florida Panthers, I don't sit there and go, well, you got out coached by John Cooper and your team got skunked and your power play went cold. You know, I would say, you know what? You, you gave us our best season ever and you gave us something we haven't had in decades. You should be the head coach, not Paul Maurice, but yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, Florida's mistake is New Jersey's game. And credit to the Devils and to Tom Fitzgerald for recognizing that instead of, you know, opening up the Rolodex to bring back, you know, a former player or, or some other guy that Tom Fitzgerald used to play with in Pittsburgh. Or he just brought some Pittsburgh.
0: guy he used to play with in Florida.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know, use a different
0: organization.
1: It's OK. There are other teams that have been in the league other than the Penguins.
0: Uh, wait, did they play together in Florida or Nashville? I forget. I believe it was Nashville. It could have been either, right? Easily. I'm going to have to look up Tom Fitzgerald's stupidly long uh, career here. Now that I say it, I'm pretty sure it was Nashville. But regardless, this fills one of the uh, assistant coach or uh, guest associate coach positions vacated by the firings of Recchi and Nasruddin. And there's one more position left to fill. So I wonder who they could possibly get for that. But in terms of other changes, in terms of other transactions, the Devils organization has made. Uh, Simone Nemitz received his first uh, entry level contract with the Devils, had a pretty good prospect camp. Uh, admittedly, I didn't pay too much attention to it. Um, I don't really know who stood out at prospect camp, but I guess we'll know it, it, it's when we see scrimmage. the invites. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's not that huge. Um, we'll know when we see the invites to the next part of you know training camp and development camp. But uh, yeah, it's, it's something that uh, it's good to see that they see enough already. This is not something unexpected. He's the second overall pick. No. I just don't think he'll be here anytime soon, especially with well, all the defensemen they have, but well, maybe has next year. Fitzgerald
1: has already spoke to that. He actually already confirmed that part of the reason why they signed him was because unlike a lot of European players, he wasn't under contract. So mm-hmm. The time to sign him was literally right now. Regardless if he was second overall or 225th overall, it's like, hey, he's not under contract. Let's go get him in our system. Uh-huh. Uh, but Fitzgerald has already spoke to that. The plan for him is to play in Utica, uh-huh. which I find interesting because if you go if you go to cap like cap friendly for example, um, ne- you know the the, <laughs> the Utica Comets have nine players on defense signed. Granted, you could call it eight because Muhu Muka Madu- Muka is being loaned back to UFA for what I'm going to call a <laughs> contentious decision, uh-huh. um, but, uh, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a little challenge. And they also signed Tyler Wotherspoon, another veteran for the defense, uh, former tryout player for the, for the devils back a couple of years. Um, I don't know where Nimitz would fit into this defense, but you know, the AHL plays a lot of games in close sessions, session. So I'm sure there'll be some level of rotation. And, you know, if a guy has to be bumped down to Adirondack, like, I don't know, Jeremy Grillo, then, you know you make some room and you know there's there's your spot but the plan is that Nemitz is going to likely play in Utica i'm sure we'll see him get a game in new jersey at some point uh-huh. uh provided that he doesn't completely as as the kids would say uh, plots all over himself
0: yeah I, th- there's a lot of players that we were talking about last week that are in this defensive log gym that just got a little bit tighter with the level of competence that the devils have added defensively. So uh, I think you were alluding to earlier on a way to get those players out of the log jam. And I think oh, yeah. that's what we want to talk about to kind of close things out here. Yeah. So here's the thing.
1: And, and this was a big point of discussion because, you know, we, we got the question, what would the devils pay for Gaudreau? We know the answer was apparently something of uh, above $9 million Per season, obviously that didn't work out. Fitzgerald may have looked like a chump as a result. Whatever, it's in the past. But one of the concerns that you and I discovered was that re-signing all these different RFAs is going to cost a lot of money. Between Jesper Bratt, Vitek Vanacek, I know Wood is being taken to arbitration, but that means the lowest salary he could be awarded would be two point nine five or two point nine seven five million. So that's not nothing. And then, you know, Boakfist, Deterlund, Thompson, that adds up. Vanacek is going to be the big wild card here. But the Devils have $13 million right now for those six guys to get contracts. Uh That might not be enough. Combined with the moves on defense, um, the Devils would be wise to create a little space, and they have some opportunities to do so. There's one conventional thought that I had after the Ty Smith trade where Damon Severson Uh could be moved a lot earlier than you might think. He's on an expiring contract. He makes 4.16 million to the cap. Um, If if you're thinking is that Dougie Hamilton is your top right-sided defenseman and guess what? He is. And John Marino is your second pairing right-side defenseman because that's what he's been doing. Then Severson on a third pairing is kind of a luxury and kind of a redundancy, especially now that you added Brendan Smith and you got Riley Walsh, you got Seymour Nemitz in the wings. So the Devils can clear Severson and move him for, a cheaper player or a pick, or even bring in that vaunted scoring winger to help the offense go over the top. Mm-hmm. That might be happening soon. Cause now that option is there. Now you don't have to wait to the trade deadline and another bad season to move a Severson. You could do that
0: now. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it'll be done. I it's, it's I wonder if that's something that they want to do with Severson being the longest tenure devil at this point. Um, I'm I'm curious as to how that would affect the dynamic or if they just want to kind of wash their hands of the old regime entirely. Because again, they spent a lot of this draft drafting exactly his position. I think they know that this is something that's possible and they wanted to fill the pipeline with these kinds of players and then they continue to do so. So there are moves that can still be made. I think what we're all really waiting for is the Jesper Bratt extension. I think that has to happen sooner rather than later. Yes. Now, let me give you a hot idea. Okay. An
1: off-the-board idea. All so right. as I mentioned, the Devils need to clear some space. And moving Severson for a player really wouldn't do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, the Devils have an opportunity to help somebody else out while making some a little more breathing room for Brat and Vanacek and Wood and so forth. So as I mentioned earlier, Thomas Tatar and Johnson and Palat are very similar in that they're all complementary wingers. Yeah, Palat's better than both of them. Fine. I'm not going to argue there. Well, here's the thing, Dan. Both Johnson and uh, Tatar are entering the final years of their contracts. Johnson only make is only going to make NHL minimum salary this season,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: he has a ten team no trade list. Thomas Tatar, on the other hand, he's going to make three point two five million dollars in salary, and his cap hits four point five million. So he's a player that would be attractive to teams that want caps cap taken up but not want to pay a lot in salary he has no trade clause he has no protection dan Uh so as of this recording as of right now in the year 2022 on july 17th there is a team in the nhl who is below the cap floor by nine million dollars and they only have if if i'm reading this correctly uh, two RFAs to be re-signed, and neither of these guys are so good that they're going to take up all nine million dollars. And that oh. team is the Anaheim Ducks. Oh, interesting. Who, who only have ten forwards on the books and four defensemen signed? Uh, not not you know notwithstanding Jacob Silverberg's eventual return from injured reserve, I would hope for their sake. Uh-huh. Um, so this is a team that I, I don't think Anaheim is expecting to be a good team, and therefore. They probably don't want to pay for a big roster if they can help it, but they do need to make the cap floor, which is partially why they handed Ryan Strom uh, five by five. Why they handed Frank Vitrano a three-year deal at three point six five million. Well, they didn't season. qualify
0: a few free agents that could have fit that. That's, right. That's true. That's true. They, they noticed Milano.
1: Yeah, that was the big one because he played with uh, Trevor Zegers. You'd think mm-hmm. keep him, but Pat Verbeek over there, he's their new GM. He is uh, changing the ducks to his desire. I would absolutely be on the phone with him right now to say, can we can the Devils get give them Tatar in exchange for one of their extra second round picks in 2023, be it Boston's or Colorado's? Because mm-hmm. in this way, the Devils clear 4.5 million for them. The Ducks have another forward for at least the season, a veteran at that too. Because Anaheim's also a fairly young team. The only guys who are pretty experienced on that roster at forward are Adam Henrique, Derek Grant, and uh, Sam Carrick and I guess Strom too, he's 29. Uh Um, You get another player there who can fit in a bunch of different roles. You fill them, you give them some, they get closer to the cap floor. So when they sign Isaac Lundstrom, sign Uro Vakanen, sign some other guys, get Silverberg back, they'll be healthily over the floor. And the Devils have a little more breathing room to sign their RFAs. That's the move I would be shooting for. Uh As much as I know it's sexier to think, oh, let's move Severson for William Nylander or moving to St. Louis for Tarasenko. Like, no, no, no. Make some space first. Get yeah. get Brat side, then worry about Severson.
0: Yeah, I don't know where Toronto is going to even do something like that. Wh- whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out what they do with Severson later. I think that could be a deadline move for sure if the Devils are out of it again. I hope they're not. But yeah. um, that is a strong contender for a deadline move. That's the kind of player that most contending teams would actually target And supposedly
1: Toronto was interested in Severson Mm -hmm. as early as last March. So Dubas apparently has Severson on his potentially on his mind. mm -hmm. And again, you look at that uh, defense for Toronto. Well, you know, Severson probably gives it's, it's locked up with a bunch of guys with no trade clauses and no movement clauses. So Severson could give him an an element uh, and also not be over the age of 30 that uh, they don't have. But then again, this is a this is a Toronto team that decided to throw away Jack Campbell to bring in Matt Murray and then sign Ilya Samsonov.
0: So who knows what they're doing. Whatever. That's not my problem. But either way. Not our not our concern, not our circus, you know so that kind of wraps up what's happened since wednesday for the new jersey devils i'm sure there'll be more news as the weeks continue we'll probably be back next week to recap all that news unless you know of course nothing happens but it's the time to make things happen so fitzgerald continues to work the phones it seems he's he's building via trade which is interesting i i think That's something that the Devils have been doing for a little while now in the last two GM regimes. So we'll see how he continues to shape this roster in his image. Uh, So if there's nothing else on the docket today, uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And we'll catch you next time when uh, maybe a Severson trade is made. We'll see what happens. There's no urgency there necessarily. But hopefully the next time we speak to you, Jesper Bratt will be a Devil long term. And that's what we can look forward to
1: absolutely so fingers crossed it happens and um you know we'll see well we'll at a minimum we might get some arbitration announcements because yeah. some some players like brad like well not Wood. he's been taking to team elected
0: arbitration but we should start at least getting some dates as far as when to expect things to happen by mm-hmm. all right thanks again for listening and as always let's go devils we'll catch you next time thank you Devils.